Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I've battled breast cancer five times in the last 23 years, including now. And I'm also a motivational speaker, speaker mentor, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And hello, I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 25-year survivor of breast cancer, certified life coach, and the author of my book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. Becky and I are also the co-founders of Breast Friends. And you know what? I'm so excited about our guest today. But before we introduce her, I want to just take a minute and share something that happened this weekend. And I have to say, I'm actually rather proud of myself. I have, you know, we've talked about things that we're afraid of. And I've I've been afraid of water for a long time. And my kids, my daughter and her husband and our grandsons are out here from Boston. We went to the Oregon coast this weekend and where Bill and I have a little cabin and we, they wanted to do a river trip. So you take the kayaks out onto the lake, and then you find the mouth of the river, and you can take the kayaks all the way to the, to the ocean. Wow. And when they asked me if I wanted to go, I said no without hesitation. Yeah, hell, uh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, that was a big loud no. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, they were kind of sad because they wanted this to be a family thing. And I said, you guys, I am so scared of water, and kayaks are tippy. And, and Bill said, I will bring my canoe. He says, we'll put you in a, in a blue queen chair. So I got to sit in this chair up kind of high and, you know, feel like whatever. And he brought an extra paddle just in case I wanted to paddle. And, um, and he, stood, he sat behind me on his knees paddling. And that's a long ride down to the – anyway, I wasn't going to go. And I said, no, because that'll tip too. I mean, I, it's just – that's a no. And then my – and I knew they really wanted me to go, but I, and I wasn't trying to be mean. I just I was scared. You know, something this comes from childhood, almost being drowned a few times. And I'm just, no, I don't still need to do that. But my son-in-law said to me, and I'm going to paraphrase badly probably, but he said, you know, let me ask you a question. He says, if you could find a way to overcome this fear and go with us anyway, and if you found at the end of the day that it was safe and it was peaceful, do you think you could find the joy in it? And I said, wow. well, yeah, if it was peaceful <laughs> and all that. And he goes, right. he goes, then I think it's worth the risk. Let's do it. Oh. And I thought, oh, well, I did it. And there were, <laughs> there were some crazy spots in the river, but I did, I did it. We didn't crash the boat. We didn't flip the boat. You didn't fall out. No. And there was one point in time where there's this one tree that there's trees that fall down along that river. And there's one tree that fell down and it went all the way across so the, the kayaks had to go under the tree, through the branches that were in the water, and the canoe is bigger than those. <laughs> so we had to kind of do it in a little piecemeal, like partway through, and then my son-in-law turned the back of it while Bill was still paddling. And, you know, we fed through it, and coming back, though, the tide came in, and so the gap of space between water and the, the trunk of the tree <laughs> had reduced significantly, and we had to lay completely flat in the boat to get oh. back through to come home. But you did but, but I did it and we didn't fall out. And when we got back, we were all sitting around the dinner table and they have this thing that they do. And I love it. It's the, it's the four L's 
They go around the table and they talk about the four L's. What did you learn? What did you laugh at? What did you... I can't remember. There were Love, there was love And what's the fourth one? Um, I don't know. It was a beautiful thing. But Oh, yeah. But you it, need to get that from them yeah. so we can start yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So what we what I learned though is that you know when you do something that because they loved me and they wanted me there and that just meant so much to me and when you do that on that basis it's you know it, it, my heart I was so glad I was there with them I would have missed so much yeah and it yeah. was scary but it didn't need to be because it's a very calm ride you know there's no rapids or anything but it was it was beautiful and my husband. God bless him for sitting on his knees for, well, it was about a five-hour round trip. Oh and he was goodness. on his knees for five hours, you know, and he mm-hmm. would get, get out every now and then. But, wow, <laughs> it was, you know, I'm very And thankful. you found the joy, obviously. I found the joy. And I'm oh, so thankful. And I told him, I said, you know, I'd probably do this with you again sometime. But when we get to the tree, let's turn around and come back. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we could make it through there without somebody behind the boat Re- repositioning it so we could kind of make the because you know canoes like 17 feet long a kayak's what eight or something yeah, I mean it's a little bit different yeah and white and wider and taller so anyway but it was really cool so I just wanted to share that you know don't let the fear of something I mean rational of fears the unknown, yes. really yeah and of rational fears unknown. are completely different if this was a rapid you know five rapid I wouldn't do it because that would be rational I had an irrational fear of this. <laughs> no, it's and, not necessarily even rational then because I've gone <laughs> rafting and it's scary, but it's so fun. <laughs> it probably is. But for me, it would be a very rational fear. <laughs> anyway, but I, I'm very glad I did it. And I really couldn't imagine because Bill's made that trip before and I've always said no and I've never gone. But this time, you know, with a little friendly, co- not, not coercion, that's not the word, uh, friendly persuasion, um, I, I made it and I uh, did it and I'm very thankful. So so thank you. My hat's off to my beautiful daughter, Beth, and her husband, Mark, and I, our two grandsons So um, who came and, and did this with us. So with that, I would love to introduce our guest. Um, our guest today is Melissa Nye. Now, Melissa, this is not her first rodeo on our show. She actually was our very first guest at our second episode that we ever did of this radio show. And we talked about humor, and it was back in February of 2016. Um, Melissa, and she was under the name Hopkins then, so if you want to go listen to that, uh, that one, you have to search for Hopkins. But anyway, she is a registered nurse who's been working in women's health care for over 20 years. Um, Melissa currently works for the Vancouver Clinic in, in Vancouver, Washington. But we've had the pleasure of working with her for many, many years as a patient advocate, and a fabulous ambassador for Breast Friends. In fact, uh, Melissa won our Breast Friends Compassion Award a couple of years ago. We give that out every year to somebody who just exudes compassion and just is that amazing person that goes above and beyond. And Melissa's always been that person for us. Um, So with that, uh, she is compassionate, she's funny, she's real. And in addition to her job as a nurse, Melissa is now the founder of a new enterprise called Breast Advocates International. And when we first heard what she was doing, both Sharon and I were darned impressed with all of this. And um, we knew that eventually we had to have her on our show. So this is the week. <laughs> so with that, let's get to know her a little bit again and find out what she's up to so she can tell you. Welcome, Melissa. Thanks for joining us today. 
Oh, thank you for inviting me. I was also listening to that inspirational story, and it just about drove me to tears. Oh, so beautifully said. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Well, why don't you take a minute and tell the audience a little bit about you, you know, your family, your hobbies, and I think I heard through the grapevine that tomorrow might be your birthday. Well, yes, it makes it marks <laughs> sixty-one years. Now, see, I wasn't even going to ask you that, but you know, that's up to you to tell. <laughs> yeah, well, don't ask me my weight; I'll lie about that. But, <laughs> nope, I, I am sixty-one years old, and a good portion of it is, you know, just looking at the priorities in my life. Um, one, of course, is always family. I am a seven-time grandmother. And uh, my three children and, uh, of course, their spouses. Uh, So a lot of time is taken up with that, but um, also very active in community and volunteering, um, multiple things I do there. uh, And, you know, I I have fun things like um, somebody asked me what the most interesting, least known thing about myself was that I was also a a sheep farmer for 16 years. What? I didn't know a sheep (laughs) farmer. I didn't know that either. (laughs) Well, while I was working, sheep sheep don't take a whole lot of extra care, but, um, and and I did hire a man from New Zealand to shear them. So yeah, you wouldn't see me out there in those muckluck things doing that. But, um, but yeah, in fact, I just want a little bit of information about myself. And, um, but otherwise, uh, the other passion in my life is what I've been uh, guided to, driven to, and um, I've been working as a registered nurse in women's health care for a very long time. You said 20 plus, that was being awfully sweet and generous. It's been uh, longer uh, in some ways. (laughs) The plus takes care of that. We can stop counting there, right? (laughs) Can we say 25 plus yet? You could, yeah. Good, okay, I'm going to change that. (laughs) Because if we have you on the show, I grabbed that from the last time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you yeah, well, in fact, I'm going to admit I'm 61. I can can go with the 20 plus 25 plus years. Right? Okay. <laughs> and um, you know, so it's just been growing through that, and so those are kind of the three big things: is community, church, family, and my work. Not necessarily in that order um, all the time, but uh, that makes up my days, weeks, months, years, and uh, it's a pretty satisfying life. Well, Melissa, you know, I I wanted to just, the work that you've done in breast advocacy and, you know, early detection and the importance of early detection, you know, that kind of, that's been your thing and it's, you're so, you're so good at it. And I know that kind of is leading you to where you're going now, but before we get to where you're going now, let's talk about um, just real quickly about early detection. Do you mind just kind of touching on that? Oh, not at all. There's, you know, kind of a, a countrywide thing where everybody guesses as to, uh, or I should say, makes a statement as to what is the purpose or, or belief in the cure for breast cancer. Um, I had one very close uh, good friend who is a medical oncologist, and I loved what he would say about it because he said it differently than just about everyone else. He would say, um, with so 
much we need to do the race for the cure anymore. We have the cure. We need the race for the prevention or the race for the early detection mm. because it's the early detection uh, that captures it early enough that we now have up to a 95 or better percent cure rate for breast cancer. And if the world could applaud right now, I would be happy to sit back and let that silence sit and it be heard around <laughs> the country. Um uh, the argument to that is is that the uh, treatment doctors will say, no, it's treatment that saves the women from the breast cancer. But uh, those of us who uh, have our origins in imaging will say, yes, but you wouldn't be able to cure them if we didn't catch it early. So there's there's the big ping pong ball that goes back and forth. <laughs> and, and in fact, it's both. You know, yeah. we ca- we capture it early. It has a much higher chance, even very aggressive cancers, of being able to find that cure. And of course, that uh, is in the United States and uh, many of the countries in the world that have that as an available option. Well, you know, Sharon and I have been in the past here, not not distant past either, involved in some stuff going on in Washington D.C. where they're trying to to get approvals to change the the original screening dates from 40 years of age to 50 and mm-hmm. with some and and I know there's some science behind all that that the risk is greater than the outcome etc cetera, etc cetera. but to me that's just a bunch of blah blah because how many I mean I was diagnosed at 43 Sharon you were 40 yep. so many of the women we work with are in their 40s and sometimes even earlier and if they waited until 50 for their initial screening because that's what they believed was correct um, they might not catch it and we would they'd have a completely different outcome so I we're really fighting for that to stay at 40 and so Melissa we know that you believe all of that and we really um, yes. applaud you for the work that you've done so let's take it to the next step <laughs> what you're doing now how did you come up with this I don't mean you like you how did you of all people how did you <laughs> come up with this idea I mean if anyone's going to come up with it it's going to be you um, for Breast Advocates International and what is it exactly well, it started um, the part of the many years ago when I first started working specifically in breast imaging. As a nurse, um, before we called ourselves navigators, um, and this is actually where I first met you, too, yeah, right. back at, at the old legacy days. And uh, what, what I found was is that there really are many different ways to help a patient through a process. Uh, much of it depends on the community. It depends on uh, the availability of uh, equipment and uh, and the accessibility. Uh, it also has to go into more things like cultural and that we have different cultures from community to community here. I'm not even speaking of the broader sense of what you might think of as cultural. You know, how I speak to someone in the country with sheep is very different than the way I would approach something to someone who has a fast paced life, say, in the city or in Portland or uh, Oregon or places like that. Um, and so it needs to be tailor made to be able to assess and identify those as barriers or issues 
or things to be addressed. And this is where a navigator can come in and, and mm-hmm. show their strength is to fill those those gaps in care. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the process, I um, had heard about uh, an organization called National Consortium of Breast Centers and uh, took their test and complained about their, their <laughs> certification test and ended up for eight years being the chair of the Navigation Certification Committee, where I went around the country teaching navigators how to navigate and uh, then we had a uh, test they could take to show that they were using those and we could um, unofficially certify them meaning unofficial as in it's not wasn't a uh, a government recognized uh, designation Uh, but it was still very um, strong and and applicable and and useful Um, but my time there grew. Uh, the uh, program grew to not only include nurses and uh, registered uh, technologists, but also advocates. And I felt that that was one of the strongest growing groups uh, with or without certification uh, in in the whole country. And so because of that, I really started working hard on getting certification for them. I was successful with that. Um, but because we were working on getting government recognition for the designation of advocates and navigators, um, I could no longer teach to it because that's a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. So I put down my teaching things um, and uh, then continued to grow the program. I've stepped back from the program and now here comes where the idea to go somewhere else went because I love to teach and I love to make a difference and I love program development and I love my patients. Um, and ultimately I found that while here we in the United States, even in many of the poorest areas, um, have anywhere up to a 95 to a 99% cure rate uh, because of the the amount of time we can capture it early. Not so with other countries. Um, And of course, I'm speaking to the low middle income countries Mm -hmm. where they don't only not have access to early detection, such as mammograms or ultrasounds, or even doctors trained to do breast exams, but they have cultural fears. The belief in Africa is that if you say the word cancer, you will cause it. Oh, yeah. I've, yes. heard, I've heard people that believe that. Listen, Melissa, we're going to go out to break, okay? When sure. we come back, we will really dig deep where, you're, where you've been, what's going on there. So, so stay tuned. We will be back in a minute. Very good. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. 
When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with Melissa Nye about Breast Advocates International. So, let me ask, Melissa, I, I, I know you saw the need and you jumped on it. That's what I want to make sure that people really understand from this message today is when you see a need, you can actually do something about it. Just one person. And so tell me a little bit more. You got involved in this mission to help early detection in other countries. So tell me about that. Yes, thank you. And so when I work in other countries, I've been to um, Israel, Palestine, um, assisted with Haiti, uh, Jeremy Haiti, uh, largely before the hurricane. We were, I was able to get them an um, ultrasound machine um, and somebody over there to train them. Um, but so far, I was, uh, by invitation, asked to come to Malawi uh, because many of the people had... Uh, actually come uh, to the National Consortium of Breast Centers uh, meeting and was there we had conversations. So many of these other places opened up that the the realization was is that uh, they were having a lot of trouble getting early detection at all. So their their death rate, not so much in the, the larger cities, but in the rural areas is, is nearly 100%. Um, part of it's cultural. Like I mentioned, they are afraid of mentioning the word cancer because that will cause it. They don't want their neighbors to know 
that they have a lump because if they have breast cancer, that's a contagious thing to their thinking. Right. Um, transportation. Uh, if you look at some of the pictures that I will be putting on our website, it will show you their transportation is walking. I mean, these some of these areas are what I call national geographic back roads. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And, and, you know, so they, they walk everywhere. Uh, and then for a, a simple operation or, you know, core biopsy that we take for granted here, uh, will cost, uh, in Africa, uh, or in Malawi anyway, uh, what's called 12,000 kwashas. A uh, kwasha is equivalent to, um, well, it's good the other way. Uh, $1 in America is equivalent to about 784 quashes. So that would equivalent to about $8. And they can't afford that. Right. They sell, they barter in chickens and, um, you know, what, what have you, or walking water up and down the street on their head. So that, that becomes insurmountable. So from that, I took my program uh, that I developed uh, in part long before National Consortium of Breast Centers um, and decided that it could be tailored anywhere. Um, the premise of it is to go to the areas that lack imaging, like uh, ultrasound mammogram or, you know, even, you know, simple comprehensive breast exams. Um, what Sharon was bringing up to you is that, you know, this idea that one woman can go out and do this and have this effect is absolutely true. As you remember, I started my nursing career doing simple staff things and raising sheep and my children. Um, so it really does come down to anyone can do if I can do it. Um, and you can do it on smaller levels. You can help your next door neighbor if they're complaining of a lump. And even if their provider said, well, let's wait and, you know, three or four months and see what's happening. You know, you are now what I call in the know uh, to say, no, why don't we advocate a little stronger? You and yourself can be a navigator. Well, this is what I wanted to bring to Africa and to Palestine and to Haiti and to these other places that are asking us to come. So the, the, the premise is I can't change things culturally, but they can. So if we took two women from each village with or without any medical credentials, gave them um, a day and a half of education, PowerPoint, when the electricity was working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, a few caveats um, on this always. <laughs> yeah, there really are. You kind of don't even have to read between the lines to know what I mean by that because yeah. it was roving blackouts. And, um, basically teach them to go within their own village, their own community, their own culture, and give them the good news that, yes, breast cancer can be cured if we catch it early, but then teach them how to do uh, kind of basic type uh, clinical breast exams uh, to identify lumps and then be able to educate those women to be able to go to a facility that we are in the process of setting up now to get the needle biopsy. And then ultimately, if there's something going on, a surgery and maybe even the limited amount of uh, medication uh, in order to get this cured, uh, up to 40 to 60% of cancers are cured by surgery alone. So 
even save one or two people, that's what a 200% increase in survivability. Yeah, that's huge. So Melissa, do they have the facilities there to help these women then? It's just a matter of getting them convinced to go, go in for, for diagnosis and treatment. I mean, I guess I'm not following that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you asked that Becky, because the reality is, is that there are some facilities there. Of course, we went to visit four hospitals and asked them, would they be willing to take these women in? One Mm -hmm. was a charity hospital. One was a Catholic hospital. One was just a private hospital. Um, and then one was the like a major medical center that mm-hmm. housed the um, chief uh, uh, officer of the Ministry of Health. I'll tell you about that in a minute. That's like so exciting. Mm. And what happened was, I know, I digress. Um, uh, I get a little too passionate, guys. You may have to pull the reins back if I start That's going okay. too fast. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, they do have facilities there. I took pictures of each of the facilities, what they lack, of course. And they're even willing to do the surgeries for, for free. Um, they won't do the core biopsies for free because that goes through a different lab. Uh, but they lack the doctors and the surgeons. So I'm fortunate due to um, my work with National Consortium of Breast Centers to have quite a laundry list of uh, international surgeons who are ready and willing to go over and teach them and uh, go routinely into some of these uh, back areas with limited amount of resources um, and do the surgeries themselves, you know, just many, many of them. So that's our third phase uh, where we're at right now. And it began to, does that answer your question, Becky? Yeah, it does. Thank you. Okay. So, yeah. So now. But not in the back roads, not, not in the little tiny villages do they have this kind of stuff. You still have to get them right to the, to the little bit bigger communities that have those facilities, if I understand correctly. Yes. Enter the navigator. Exactly. Yes, this is the the main gist of my program, Uh, but knowing that to make this program work, we have to have longer reaches. It's not enough to find the lump. We have to now teach them how to document that and where to take them to the next level to get that tested. Um, They've been extremely successful. I went back the second time this year uh, in May and uh, found that things that I was looking on planning uh, to do, they had already done, such as routine meetings every week or every month in their own communities. I love and it. this now becomes a network for not just breast cancer, but all kinds of other things, children's care, dentistry, um, people coming in to teach them how to plant the trees and teach, you know, it's really in a large part, just like anywhere in the world, a communication issue. It's not that these things don't exist, but nobody talks And this is where the outside kick in the pants came, and that was me, Mm -hmm. and uh, getting them to talk and get hope and realize that they do have the power to do this. They just need some tools, and that's what I brought to them. But then I realized that this needed to expand. So I've got all this other stuff on my plate, and I'm just the lowly sheep herding nurse <laughs> you know who's yeah. suddenly realizing I'm getting way out of my head my 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 comfort zone do not give me a checkbook to balance it won't happen um, so tell me about the language barrier what's that like and how do you get around that uh 
okay, before I will go to any country, I have to vet it. And okay. by vetting it, I mean I have to check for the safety of anybody who goes. I, there has to be uh, a place that is set up safely for them, for anyone who comes to be able to stay safely. They may have to pay their own transportation. Um, but once they get there, they are well taken care of. Uh, I am fortunate that in both places, the same person that we connected to, uh, which takes about a year before I'm willing to set up to go to get to know these people and feel comfortable that we will be safe and taken care of. Um, and then once we're there, we either have an interpreter uh, or in the case of Malawi, they were occupied by the British for 40 years, and it oh. was uh, now English is the main language there, even though um, they speak, uh, many of them speak Chichawan. Uh, but uh, uh, I learned a few Chichawan words. Zikomo means thank you. You hear that a lot. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, that's good. So you say that a lot. Zikomo. Yeah, I bet you Zikomo. do. I bet you do. <laughs> Well, and, and what's very interesting to me is, so you and I had lunch, or I guess breakfast, in February. Yep. And she was telling me all of this cool stuff. And I'm like, wow. I mean, and she's doing this all on her own dime, right? Yep. And, and I'm like, holy cow, you know, this is amazing. And, but when she finished telling me the whole story, I'm like, Wow, that's really cool, but why are you telling me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me guess. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Melissa, what, what, do you remember what you said? <laughs> well, I'm not sure which one. Well, basi- basically, you're like, well, because I want you to be doing this with me. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. it's one of those Just things you got to be careful. You got to be careful, but you pray for <laughs> Yeah, just, just after the coffee refilled and I, you were kind of stuck sitting there with me. Yes. It, it Joe's cafe. There's a shout out for them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was yeah. a hoot. So anyway, long story short, we decided over that breakfast, uh, that we would, uh, start a nonprofit organization. And <laughs> Sharon, we you do a lot of this stuff. Over uh, the meal, don't you? Yeah, we're waiting on dinner next. <laughs> we started <laughs> breast friends over lunch. Now we'll have to do dinner. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but so that's how it all happened, you know, so and Sharon, why did you say yes? And what do you do? I mean, this, I mean, I, it's hard to say no to Melissa. I get that. <laughs> but, but tell, well, and, and, tell, me, tell us about that. Well, and the funny thing is, you know, I'm kind of at a crossroads with my life right now. And um, and I've been kind of praying to, you know, kind of get some direction as far as what I want to do next. And, I, again, you have to be careful what you pray for because you might get it, like, <laughs> like on your lap like this. Because I love to travel. And, of course, I've you know, committed my life to breast cancer and, you know, helping and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And guess what? You know, I never quite thought I would be going to Malawi, but (laughs) I guess that's, that's going to be next on my agenda next year. So anyway, long story short, we decided that, yes, it's a fabulous idea for Melissa to do this on her own, but, um, 
how much more we Mm -hmm. could do if we actually could do some fundraising and, you know, get some philanthropic help with this. And so that's why just the synergy, just having two, you know, and Sharon, you and I have talked about that so often, you know, we started Breast Friends 19 years ago, but if we hadn't done it together, it may have, it may not have happened at all, or it may have just taken a lot longer to to get, you know, foothold. So, yeah. yeah, having having a team spirit, you know, kind of thing going on and you, you know, synergy is, is works. It's oh, great. It does. It absolutely yeah. does. So we we brainstormed an, uh, a name and so that's how we came up with that and so we have now the beginning of a website and we have a beginning of a Facebook <laughs> I was your first like I want you to know that Yay. <laughs> I, went, yeah. I, Googled, I googled it just to see and it's like there it is and it says this page has no likes and I said well it does now it's so. oh, yeah. like I said it's just at the beginning I mean this was yeah. just in February where we had this conversation and mm-hmm. and so now we have a um, board of directors. Um, we're looking for some some additional people that can really um, help us take this to the next level. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit, Melissa, too, about. Um, well, maybe we should do that on the on the other side of the yeah. break. Yeah, let's go ahead and take a break, and we will be back in a minute. So stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with Melissa Nye about Breast Advocates International. So, Becky, I think you had a question on the break. I did. You know, I mean, I know we're talking about how new this organization is and and how it's just getting started and you just got your Facebook page and you're just getting your website. But, Melissa, you've actually been doing this for a few years now, and, and it's just the structure of it that's new. But the heart, the passion, the purpose has been going on for a while. So when did you actually start this, and when did you take your first trip? Um, well, the, the, the progress is start, started in the United States, so I've been doing that part of it for 15 years, um, and developing the program uh, has been a lifetime thing. So as long as I've been in nursing, um, mm-hmm. I was setting that up. Uh, the trips to uh, planning to go uh, to teach outside of, um, the trips to go outside of the uh, United States. Now that started uh, probably about eight years ago. And do understand there are other navigation groups out in the in the mm-hmm. world working. Sure. Um, none of them do what I do, though. They all work inner city and they have some outreach, but they're always close to mammography, doctors, hospitals, treatments. I'm the one that goes out into the the world beyond. And Where the sheep those- are. Where the yeah. sheep are. <laughs> or the <laughs> chickens. No, or I love the, the pigments. Pic- <laughs> or the zebras. Or the- <laughs> yeah. The picture, Melissa, that I love is you're in the back of a truck with probably 10 or 12 other people and you're little face is like popping up <laughs> from the behind and it's the cutest picture ever and one person's holding a chicken <laughs> yeah yeah we traveled with the chickens oh, yes we did so funny. They- but but you're right there with the people who need this education they need this empowerment to be able to understand that cancer if it's caught early isn't the death sentence that we you know they know. Um, and, and again, like you said, the fear just to, even around the word um, is so great there. Yes. Um, yes. And that's one of my favorite pictures, too, because, um, you know, being essentially um, the lightest colored Caucasian person um, in an all uh, African area, um, to be able to blend in and not be seen very well is quite a task. Yeah. Um, and sitting at the very back of that bed, because we stuffed as many of the navigators into the truck as we could, um, I found that one had a very small baby with her. You could see that in one of the pictures. And, you know, I said, absolutely not. This was going to be a dusty, long road that is not paved back to where we were headed. Um, at least, um, at least, uh, Oh, I don't know. I would say probably um, about a two, three hour ride. And so I switched her places. So she would have the uh, baby up in the, the truck and they were completely, uh, completely aghast that I would even suggest that uh, oh, because right. I was the VIP. I was the one that was there, but it was oh. important to me for them to understand I'm nothing different than any one of them. I just have some knowledge I'm trying to give to them. So I said, out you go. And in the back I went and oh my gosh, boy, mm. I was like bruised and but it was worth it. <laughs> that, that is so, that is so your heart, you know, yeah, about absolutely. compassion. That's absolutely. A good example of it right there. <laughs> 
So, so you actually, so you actually went to Malawi the very first time in 2018. But before that, you even went to Palestine, and then even before that, you were preparing for all of this, um, these trips that you've been taking. Yes, well, and in Haiti, so I had sent, I couldn't go, but I could get the ultrasound from Nebraska out there. That's part of teamwork oh. and, you know, cool. getting getting other things done. So, um, and then there's other countries and other places, even in America. I don't want anyone to think that I'm not still working in the United States. I certainly do. I have <laughs> a lot of facilities call me and ask me how to make the navigation program work. And I give all this for free. I want you to know I don't charge anyone. Um, the only thing I ask is a safe place to stay. And if they can, you know, to give me food, which I pay for, um, not because they ask, but because they're so thrilled to have someone there, but because it's the right thing to do. Right. Um, and so, so yeah. And then I went to, uh, again, just this May, uh, back on a plane turned out to be exactly the same date as the year before, which I didn't even realize, but this time was for three weeks because we went around, uh, me, my translator or my interpreter, my, um, a uh, couple of my navigators, because I'm bringing them along because now that we have some veterans, so to speak, um, uh, I have trained them to be trainers because the whole purpose of this is this becomes their program, and they run it in the way they see. I give them the tools, the support, the training. And then I hope to back that up with, uh, and by tools, I mean, uh, you know, the intake worksheets so that they can, you know, describe where they're finding the lump, uh, you know, getting the patient to that next point. So we're setting up uh, navigation coordinators so that, you know, the 60-some women we now have out there um, can report to them. And now I have the Ministry of Health uh, district officer who is now taking it to their board, which is tied into the national board. And they want to see this program go countrywide. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting, yeah. ladies. It is very exciting. So so when we got, um, we, we started talking about this and, and, and was making it more official, like in a nonprofit way, mm-hmm. um, if I understood correctly as well, this is, we're trying to get a three-year, like, in-country kind of thing. So basically, we go in, we teach the people, right? Yes. Then, then the next year you're doing like you've done in this this second year in Malawi, where you have those stand up people who really are embracing the program. That way, you can teach them. They're the leaders, right? Yep. And and then the third year, you're you're making sure that everything's running smoothly and making sure that more people are trained. And then you're giving this them the program and then we go to another country is that uh, that's how i'm understanding it yes that's exactly right so right now part of the the board what their responsibilities with me is to take all these requests that are coming in to try to prioritize between need safety um, what types of things do they need? Uh, and then we start to work with them to find out what type of barriers they're facing. This right. is very individualized to the area. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. Well, and I remember talking when that very first meeting, I'm like, 
so so are we going to just bring them some mammogram machines and and you know unfortunately it's not that easy because no. of the electricity or lack of electricity the 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 amount of heat involved and how sensitive these machines are right yep yeah and how often they need to be serviced you know right. this wouldn't be a sustaining sustainable thing for them in order to be able to do that. So practicality, I mean, the outskirts says, why don't we just put money together and send them a mammogram machine? Well, like you said, the electricity goes on and off. That would fry the machine. The temperature has, has to be at a certain range of about five, maybe 10 degrees. Anything above or below that, the machine will break down and need someone to come in and reset it. Uh, you know, so that's not practical. The ultrasound is much more practical, but it's not going to do the same kind of screening uh, that, you know, you can with a mammogram because that's more like site specific. So, you know, going out, having these women perform these clinical breast exams um, as what I call a trusted community member, Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I've got a little story with that, which just really highlights and shines and pleased me to no end on how well it was working. I went with one of the navigators, who's one of my superstar navigators, and uh, we went to a church function. Um, and uh, she said, could you come and talk with some of the women and about the navigation? And I said, okay. I said, let's go. So right out there, um, I have some pictures where we started to talk about the women and the, um, you know, and the breast cancer. And uh, slowly but surely, I was handing it off to Rose. That's her name is Rose. And saying, you know, uh, you can cure breast cancer. Did you know that? And no, no, you die from that. No, yes, you don't always die from it. Um, And often I refer to breast friends and Sharon and and these things. They still don't necessarily want to believe it because I'm an outsider. But as they were listening and I said, well, you know, we can do checks for lumps. And I looked at Rose and said, isn't that right, Rose? She took off and those women huddled around her, listening to her words, asking her questions. And I was I was supporting her. But then as the women broke up a little bit, I said, "Okay, you're going to get a lot of women who are willing to come in for the breast exam. You know, the ones you're not going to get are the ones that have the worrisome lumps. Because yeah. remember the cultural issues with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, sure. right. And so I said, you see that woman over there? And I said, she's taking two steps back while everyone's taking two steps forward. She's grabbing her shirt and closing it up. These are all telltale signs that she is really scared. And she either herself or someone she knows is having a problem and she doesn't know what to do. There's yeah. your first person. Yeah. You do breast exams sense. for everyone. That's, you that's get a good trusted, observation. Yeah. But you need to go after her. And she mm-hmm. did. And the lady is now going in for, um, she went in for the diagnostics. She does have a cancer and we're now working on getting her surgery. Yeah. That's and amazing. So Melissa, we are almost out of time, kiddo. So I, this is the one segment we have to end on time. <laughs> we, can, we have some <laughs> flexibility on the other ones. But listen, before we, we have to go, I want to 
ask you, you know, as a breast cancer community ourselves and those of us listening are probably all part of this community. And we have a lot of people all over the globe listening to this message right now. And how can we help you in this mission? And I need the short answer. <laughs> so, no, uh, Thank you. I thank need you. the very I, short answer. Okay. Love, love the direction. Yes. How can you help? The first thing you want to know is you don't have to be a medical professional to help. Okay. Um, We've got people from all over, all walks of life uh, that help me there, people who want to help here. Um, and what we need are people willing to do uh, uh, calls, uh, to maybe to um, do some fundraising. Like uh, we're trying to do a, a, a purses one, which I've seen happen before, where everybody puts in their gently or non-used purses for a big auction and one of and they go in and they just give some money to go in and choose a purse and boy I'll tell you there's some really wonderful finds in there and uh, it raises a lot of money and which one of us women don't have too many purses sitting in our closets right well I did (laughs) till I downsized but (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you found out you start counting them right (laughs) so the thing is is it's something as simple as that that you know you can have Fun. You can have a little neighborhood get together, have tea and do a little purse drive, you know, or anything. So wait, okay, hold on real quick. How can yeah. people, we have like 30 seconds. How can I, people take that money then and donate it to you? What can they do? If somebody wants to donate money, we are not going to turn that down. You would go to breastadvocatesinternational.org and you would spell that whole thing out, Breast Advocates with an S on the end international.org and uh, don't let it throw you off it is a new site so it does say something about jaguars and rubies but that actually is us it's just such a draft that that's how it popped up so don't right. let that yeah you're not you. being you're not being hijacked so just go ahead and follow <laughs> no, follow in no, and they can make yep. a donation right there right absolutely okay absolutely right. and what i can tell you is two things one we're not going to sell anything from you and i promise 100 percent goes to these women and awesome. to the detection of the breast cancer awesome well, well, we're out of time. So <laughs> we're going to let you go. Thank you so very much. And we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there is always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.